After a really rough start, the Gonzaga Bulldogs settled in and handled the Washington Huskies thanks to a huge defensive effort, primarily from guard Hunter Salas, which begs the question, should he be starting? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Well, the Zags took care of business against the Washington Huskies on Friday evening. They got another game against another team named the Huskies. We're going to talk more about Northern Illinois and that game in the second and third segments of today's show. But for now, I want to focus on the UW victory. First time in three years, these two teams have played each other because of COVID-19. Finally, a great opportunity to get the in-state rivalry back in action. The Zags coasted to a handy 77-60 victory. It looked, if you were to look at the box score, like an easy victory for the Zags. Of course, those who watched the game, particularly those who watched the very start of the game, know it was a bit of a different story. The Zags had six turnovers in the first few minutes of this game. Three of them were charges, a couple sloppy passes. Seemed like the zone was really impacting the Zags. It was a little bit frightening to watch at the beginning of the game. We, we know turnovers have been a massive issue for this team all season long to see them come out and look really sloppy at home against an in-state rival like, like UW. Even though UW isn't necessarily the team that they have been historically, this is a better version of the Huskies than we've seen in the last couple of years. And it looked like things might get a little bit dicey for the Zags. Fortunately, they really really tightened things up. Again, six turnovers in the first four minutes, only finished with 12 turnovers total, only six turnovers for the last 16 minutes of the game. Considering how much turnovers have been an issue for the Zags already this season, considering how good UW is defensively, that is a very, very impressive stat. Beyond that, the Zags also out-rebounded UW. 36 to 29. Not super surprising to see that considering how difficult it is to rebound out of a zone defense. UW was also missing backup center Frank Kepnong, who is a big player for them. Oregon transfer, who's playing about averaging about nine and five, six foot 11, big bodied guide. So that helped the Zags be able to win the rebounding battle. They shot 52% from the field. The star of this game, without a doubt, the star of most games for Gonzaga, that was Drew Timmy, 22.7 rebounds, 8 of 13 from the field for Timmy, a, a fantastic game. But more importantly than that, he also had four steals. His effort on the defensive end of the floor in this game was the best defensive effort I've ever seen from Drew Timmy. That's not to say that he doesn't give good effort in other games. He does, but he he really was intentional about the way he handled those screens. You can tell it was a big talking point for the staff uh, in terms of figuring out how to navigate those high ball screens. Drew came out and hedged them, forced the guards to get out and all the way around him. Uh, he also poked the basketball away a few times, hence the four steals. His ability to do that and really not let Washington get into high ball screen actions impact their ability to actually 
run their offense, get good looks around the rim. It's a it's a great adjustment for Mark Few, a great adjustment for the Zags, really because last year's team had the ability to let players come off of screens without the hedge, uh, come off the screen, and even attack the basket because they had Chet Holmgren. They had a player who could erase any mistakes around the perimeter defensively, who could really prevent those guys from getting easy looks or looks at all around the rim. They don't have that this year. So Gonzaga has to find ways to prevent guards from just getting a free reign at the basket. You watch the Tennessee game, you watch some of their early season games, and you could tell that they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do in those situations here in this game. And yes, UW offensively is not as good as Purdue or Kentucky, or Xavier, or Michigan State. But for Gonzaga to come out with this level of defensive intensity and a new strategy, a new implementation on how to impact uh, those high ball screens was really, really critical. It was a nice performance from Drew Timmy uh, and a much-needed one just in, based on what Gonzaga has been struggling with so far this year. Julian Strother had a quiet but excellent game as well, 18 points, 12 rebounds for Julian. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out Efton Reed. Big minutes off the bench, four points, two rebounds on two of three shooting. It's not exactly going to jump off the page, but again, he came in at a time when Ben Gregg was struggling, when the Zags really needed uh, some big minutes from somebody down in the paint. Immediately scored on a little baby hook shot. A really nice, nice performance from Efton Reed, something they needed. But I also need to talk Hunter Salas because Hunter Salas was a fantastic key contributor in this game. And that is not the first time we have said that. In fact, over the last couple of games, Hunter Salas has been absolutely fantastic. Seven points, two blocks, two assists, a rebound, and a steal in this one, lighting up the scoreboard uh, despite 17 minutes of action. Three of three from the field, one of one from deep. I thought Hunter made fantastic decisions with the basketball offensively. The three-point shot was one where he was wide open. He caught it in rhythm. And Gonzaga at the time had been kind of struggling. They'd been too reliant on shooting over the zone. And I could... I think previous year, Hunter Salas, or even earlier this year, Hunter Salas might have hesitated to take that shot because he knows that Gonzaga is is trying to not just take too many outside shots or settle for those shots. But he took this shot with complete 100% confidence, nothing but net. It was a great shot. Of course, Hunter's impact in this game was far more on the defensive end of the floor. His defense on P.J. Fuller was incredible. The sequence where he stayed with him through two screens – did not let Fuller get even an inch of separation. Finally, Fuller had to cross to the middle of the court, put up a little 16-foot fadeaway jump shot. Hunter blocked it, grabbed the ball, turned, went 75 feet, scored at the rim. It was a highlight real play, gave Gonzaga a 15-point lead. The kennel absolutely popped off afterwards. Really, really nice sequence from Hunter Salas. And quite frankly, it's been a nice couple of games for Hunter to the point where we have to have the conversation of, should he be starting? Should he be playing in the starting lineup? There's really two options to replace him in the starting lineup. You're not taking out Nolan Hickman, your true point guard. Obviously, you're not removing Drew Timmy or Julian Strother from the starting lineup. So it becomes, do you replace him with Rasir Bolton or do you replace Anton Watson? I think one of Watson or Salas needs to be in the starting lineup, and I think one of them needs to be coming off of the bench because of the defensive instincts, the defensive intensity that they bring, bringing a guy like that off the bench to immediately provide energy, to immediately provide defensive 
intensity. It, it immediately throws the other team off of their rhythm. So I think that that's the better option. Rasir Bolton has struggled the last couple of games, and I think that that is worth noting. In the last three games, 7.3 points, three assists, two boards. Uh, he's only shooting 38% on two-pointers. He's still shooting 36% on threes, but we've seen Bolton be a little bit more hesitant to hunt out his own shot, a little bit more hesitant to get to the basket. He's taken less than three two-point attempts per game in those last couple of games. I think you could argue for Salas to start over Bolton, but again, then you have your two best defensive players starting, which is not necessarily bad, but it doesn't give you that option to bring a high-level energetic defensive player off of the bench. You could argue that bringing a high-level offensive player like Rasir Bolton off the bench might be a better fit as well. Of course, the other option, starting lineup with Julian Strother playing the four, a three-guard lineup that includes Hunter Salas, having Anton Watson come off the bench. Worth pointing out that Anton Watson has been more valuable and more impactful to this team than either Rasir Bolton or Hunter Salas based on basically every advanced analytics number you can look at. Also, the eye test pretty clearly indicates how valuable Anton Watson has been to this team. Uh, he's finishing really efficiently around the rim. His defense has been incredible. I, I, I don't necessarily advocate strongly for Hunter to start over Bolton or Salas, or excuse me, over Bolton or Watson, although I do believe that the 17 minutes per game we've seen him play in each of the last two games, that should probably be the bare minimum going forward. He should be playing 20 to 25 minutes per night. Whether that's in a bench role, whether that's in a starting role, I'm honestly not overly concerned either way, but he has clearly demonstrated he deserves to be playing more minutes than he has played up to this point this season. Well, the Zags have another Monday night contest coming up this time facing a fast-paced Northern Illinois Huskies squad. Could they cause some issues for Mark Few's team? More on that contest coming up. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's extremely simple to use. Start by adding your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, segment two, still any patents, still locked on Zags. And I want to sincerely thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, folks, the Zags got themselves another game Monday night, December 12th, 6 p.m. at the McCarthy Athletic Center. It is their third straight home game, and my, oh my, that is much needed for this team after a rigorous, intense, record-breaking non-conference schedule that the Zags played so many tough contests. The MTE in Portland, of course, is always a challenging one. Michigan State uh, on the aircraft carrier. Kentucky, not a true 
home game, although at least in Spokane for that one uh, road game at Texas, been a really, really challenging schedule. Of course, Gonzaga has Alabama in Birmingham on Saturday, so it's not over yet for the Zags, but they got themselves another chance to play at home in front of the home crowd at the McCarthy Athletic Center. They are playing the Northern Illinois Huskies. That is the second MAC opponent of the season for the Zags, the second in a week because they played Kent State, of course, last Monday. So two straight Mondays with games against teams in the Mid-Athletic Conference. Uh, the Huskies not nearly as good as Kent State. Kent State's a top 75 team per Ken Palm. Uh, Northern Illinois, three and six on the season. They only have one victory over a Division I team. That Division I team is Eastern Illinois, which is ranked. 358th in Ken Palm. Just for reference, there are 363 Division I teams. So Eastern Illinois is one of the five worst teams in all of Division I college basketball. That is the only victory Northern Illinois has over a D1 team. Their losses include a 37-point drubbing by the Idaho Vandals. Idaho, for reference, 325th. In Ken Palm, most teams outside of the top 320 probably aren't beating other Division I teams by 37 points. Very often, I would say that that game probably tells you a little bit more about Northern Illinois than it does about Idaho. Uh, this team has also lost to Georgia Tech and Sam Houston State and Northwestern. They come in at the Ken Palm rankings at 311th, a little surprising to see them 14 spots higher than Idaho, despite getting absolutely boat raced by the Vandals earlier this year. Uh, they're pretty consistent offensively and defensively, consistently not great. Uh, their offense is 309th Per Ken Palm, their defense is 290th, so not particularly good on either end of the floor. Tempo-wise, they are 53rd in the country, hence why I refer to them as a fast-paced team. That is something interesting to watch out for in this game. Are they going to attempt to get out in transition a lot? Will they be able to get out in transition a lot against a deeper, more athletic, more talented Gonzaga team? It might be something that they attempt to do, but struggle to do just because they don't necessarily have the horses to be able to keep up with the Bulldogs. Best player for this team is a transfer from Tulsa, Keyshawn Williams. He is their star player and he is very, very good. 17 and a half points per game, 4.2 rebounds, two and a half assists. He is shooting just under 38% from beyond the arc. He takes about five threes per game. So that is going to be a big part of what this team is trying to do is getting Williams open looks from beyond the arc because he can cash it down from out there as well. They have two other players in double digits, David Colt, 5'11 point guard, averaging 14 per game, and Zarek Nutter, who is averaging 12.5 points per game, as well as a solid shooting team from deep, 34% on the season. That is something to keep an eye on whenever teams do seem to have really good games against Gonzaga or play up to the level of competition it is often because they are just hitting threes at levels that they haven't done historically. So for this team to be a team that really can knock it down from deep is something to keep an eye on. If Gonzaga's perimeter defense gets a little sloppy, if they get confused on their screens and their switches, which we've seen throughout the season for this team, they just haven't had that defensive communication just really hasn't been ironed out yet for this Gonzaga team. This is probably not a game where it's going to hurt them too much, but when you're playing a team that as a unit can hit 35% of their threes, you don't want to be leaving too many guys open from beyond the arc. Beyond that, Northern Illinois turns the ball over over 16 times per game. 
one of the least efficient backcourts in the country in terms of preventing turnovers. For Gonzaga, we saw them force a lot of turnovers against the University of Washington. We've seen their defense get better and better and better as the season has gone on. This is a great opportunity for them to get a lot of turnovers, a lot of opportunities to get out in transition and getting some easy buckets that way as if there needs to be any more challenges that Northern Illinois is facing this season. They are also among the worst free throw shooting teams in the entire country. I don't particularly expect that to, to be a huge factor in this game necessarily, just because Gonzaga is going to avoid a lot of fouls just because they have the size to just keep their hands up and not reach down, not commit any fouls. And so I don't know that that'll be a big issue, but obviously not getting your free points at the free throw line is definitely an issue when you are playing a team that is bigger and stronger and faster than you. And we mentioned a little bit the size, but most teams that are kind of outside of the top, most non-Power 5 teams, quite frankly, but certainly any teams that are kind of in this range from the Ken Palm rankings, they're just not going to have the size to really contend with a team like Gonzaga. And that's absolutely the case here with the Huskies. Their top eight players in terms of minutes played per game are listed as guards on their roster. They don't even really have any forwards, any centers on the roster. Their, their leading rebounder is Zarek Nutter, who's also their third leading scorer. He's averaging 12 and a half points per game and 5.4 rebounds per game. He is 6'6". So he's, he's distinctly a guard. He is smaller than Julian Strother, smaller than four or five of Gonzaga's rotation players on this team. Uh, I think they, they have a couple other guys who are 6'8", 6'9", who, who do play rotation minutes. I expect that we'll probably see some of those guys play five, six, even 10 more minutes per game than they usually do just because they're going to need people out there to get in front or behind Drew Timmy and at least try to make things difficult for him if they spend the entire game with six, seven or six, six guys guarding Drew Timmy, regardless of how quickly they're sending that double team or triple team. I just think Drew's going to be able to score through that with relative ease. We have seen him do that for the last four years. So it's not like it's a secret uh, for him and his ability to score through contact, especially with smaller guys on him. So that's going to be a huge issue for Northern Illinois in a game that uh, quite frankly, looks like it's going to be pretty daunting, pretty challenging for them. But it does represent an opportunity for Gonzaga to potentially do some different things, try out some new things, play some different lineups, some different rotations. And that's really what I want to talk about in the third and final segment of the show. This should be an easy victory for the Zags kind of as they prepare for the Bama game on Saturday. Here are the five things that I'm going to be watching for, not necessarily keys to victory as much of things that I want to see or hope to see this Gonzaga staff and this Gonzaga team do uh, as they get ready for the game on Saturday and hopefully get through this one relatively unscathed. Before we talk about that, though, today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system, excuse me, for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report. That's the third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, 
or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There is no safe like Simply Safe. All right, segment three. Still any patents, still locked on Zags. Still previewing Gonzaga's Monday evening game against the Northern Illinois Huskies. Final game before finals week for the Zags. Of course, their last game at home before they head to Birmingham, Alabama on Saturday to take on the Crimson Tide. We got a lot of coverage coming about that game later in this week. But for now, let's focus on Northern Illinois and specifically the five key things that I'm going to be watching for, looking for in this game. We will evaluate these five keys on Tuesday's episode as well. Number one, no more slow starts. We're tired of the slow starts. We've seen them in every game this year, basically every single game this year, I should say. UW was a pretty horrific example of that where, yes, they coasted to a 17-point victory, but why do you have to make it so difficult early in the game? It it almost makes it look like a lack of preparation. I don't think UW went into this doing anything dramatically different than what Gonzaga would have expected them to do. They were running their zone. They were running their typical offense. The Zags just came out flat doing that at home in front of a crowd that was invested and interested in a rivalry game. It's, It's frustrating. It's frustrating to see this team come out flat as often as they have. This is not a game where the Zags should come out flat. I would love to see the first media timeout be a score in the ballpark of like 14 to 3. Like that is what should happen in this game against this caliber of opponent. And everybody comes into the kennel juiced and I get that. And certainly there's an element of just other teams playing really well uh, to start out games before Gonzaga makes some of their adjustments. But it would be nice for this game to just feel like an immediate throttling right out of the shoots. Of course, that helps. Uh, as Gonzaga could potentially get some other players into the game earlier, rest some starters ahead of the big game against Alabama, all of that stuff. But by and large, it's more just a security thing for the fan base to know like, hey, yeah, Gonzaga can, can come out of the gate and really put it on some teams because we just haven't seen them do that yet this year. Next up, would love to see big performances from the transfers. This has been a key in many games this year, and frankly, the inconsistency from both Malachi Smith and Efton Reed has been a part of Gonzaga's issue this year. And for Reed, he went six games without playing at all before we saw him again in that UW game. Again, really fantastic performance from him in a very small role. He played very little after his kind of initial solid start there, but four points, two of three shooting, a couple of boards. Really nice to see that. I think It would be great if we could get 8, 10, 12 minutes out of him on on Monday. And and hopefully a lot of those minutes come in the second half when Drew Timmy is comfortably on the sidelines because he's already scored his 20 points. Uh, He's already out for the game. He doesn't need to play anymore. He can rest, relax, get prepared for Saturday. Same situation with Anton Watson, quite frankly. It would be nice if neither of those guys had to play the final eight or so minutes of this game, giving Efton Reed and Ben Gregg more opportunities to play. And then, of course, Malachi Smith. He's just been inconsistent. Uh, he's been inconsistent. The, the, the report really was he's good against the not-so-good teams. He's bad against the, uh, the, the better teams. And that's not entirely true. He was very good against Baylor. We've seen him have good games against good teams. He also didn't do anything against the University of Washington, which is a Power 5 team. I don't want to lump them into the like same category as North Florida or – or this game, Northern Illinois necessarily, but but Malachi Smith has been inconsistent regardless of whether they're playing a good team or a bad team. I think that's just a, a fact. And 
him playing well in this game would be helpful because it helps his confidence. It helps him show out in front of the home crowd, lets us know what kind of player he can be. He's a good outside shooter, good distributor, good, you know, good at getting to the rim, good defensive player. We've seen all of that at times, but we haven't seen it consistently. Doing it here in this game will be great, but honestly, for us to start feeling better about Malachi Smith, two or three games in a row of him playing productively would be nice. Didn't play well against UW, so playing well here against Northern Illinois, it's a start, but then what's he going to bring against Bama? What's he going to do against that really, really good backcourt that the Crimson Tide have? Can he be a guy who, who shows out more than just every third or fourth game? And the Zags need him to. I mean, they need this. They need him to be a guy who's reliable consistently a game in and game out. And so far through the first month of the season, he has not been that guy. A good game against Northern Illinois is a start, but it's just a start for Malachi in terms of what he needs to be able to do to, to be a big-time contributor for this team come March. Next up, speaking of uh, inconsistencies, uh, we'll talk about Ben Gregg a little bit. Uh, last game, I talked about a, a potential breakout, a full-on breakout for Ben Gregg. Uh, and instead, we got one of his worst performances of the year. And that's okay. What I'm interested in now, Ben Gregg came in against UW, couple sloppy passes, didn't do anything particularly noteworthy, got replaced by Efton Reed. Efton Reed played well, and then that was kind of it for Ben Gregg. I think that's fine. This kind of stuff happens when you are a fringe rotation player, which Ben Gregg is. He's like eighth or ninth out of the guys who play. You are not necessarily guaranteed minutes. And when you do not play well, you could lose your minutes. It's a tough, challenging situation to be in, especially as a young player, but it's part of the deal. This is a big game for Ben Gregg. How does he respond to that adversity? When you play every day, you eventually have bad games. That's just part of the deal, but you have to be able to bounce back from those. A lot of players on Gonzaga's roster haven't necessarily demonstrated the ability to be consistent night in and night out. Ben, it would be great to see him come out, hit a couple shots, have a good game, play well down the stretch because Drew's sitting, because Anton is sitting, and really demonstrate, hey, look, I you can put me out on the floor for eight, 10 minutes at a time, and I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you productive, solid minutes. Again, a great game for Ben Gregg against a team that's one of the 40 or 50 worst Division I teams in college basketball. It's a nice start. It's a good benefit. Would be nice if he also gave Gonzaga some productive minutes against Alabama. We know that he can. He gave Gonzaga productive minutes against Purdue. They're a top five team in the country, just like Alabama. So I think that, again, we'll learn more about Ben and how he reacts to adversity, depending on how he does against Bama. But it sure would be nice to see him come out and have a productive game here against the Huskies of Northern Illinois. Next up, two more. Rasir Bolden, will he go out and hunt his own shot? Rasir's been really tentative this year. It's been a unique kind of unexpected development for him after he was a guy who, who really stepped into a nice role for Gonzaga last year. Certainly he was kind of the fourth offensive option, arguably fifth offensive option at times for the Zags last year. Uh, and this year there's a bit more expectation on him. He's probably the third offensive option behind Timmy and Strother. And he just hasn't looked like that guy all that often. Again, less than three two-point field goal attempts in the last couple of games combined, or excuse me, not combined. In the last three games that the Zags have played, he has averaged less than three two-point field goal attempts per game. He's not trying to get to the rim. He's not really taking those mid-range shots. He's settling more for outside shots, of course, against the zone. You can kind of understand that. But by and large, we just he's only averaging seven points in the last couple of games as a you know, as opposed to a guy who averaged 11, 12, 13 or so in his previous couple of years. So this is going to be something I'd like to see. Again, it's an opportunity for Rasir to have a really nice game against a team that 
isn't necessarily going to be capable of stopping him. I think he's going to get out in transition, get a lot of free buckets that way. I could see a 14, 15 point, even 18, 20 point game from Rasier here in this one. But again, what I really want to look for is can he find his comfortability in his role? Maybe it's a little bit different from what he was doing last year, but can he adjust to that? Does he look comfortable? Does he look fluid within the offense? Uh, Is he, you know, is he ruining certain possessions by not taking open shots and instead looking for an additional pass or potentially taking shots when he shouldn't be like just looking for his comfort level in this offense? Because he's extraordinarily talented. He's a fantastic two guard and a guy who should absolutely be playing big minutes for a top 10 team in the country. And Gonzaga can get there and Rasier can get there. But right now he hasn't been that guy. And there's a lot of confidence that he's going to turn it around and be that guy eventually. And how he performs in this game is another step towards him potentially finding that spot and getting more comfortable as the season goes on. And then, of course, the last key, this is always a key in games like this one, uh, will we see the non-rotation guys? And the first non-rotation guy who comes up is Dominic Harris, who is clearly not in the rotation right now. He's played just 13 minutes so far this season. The assumption is that he is healthy and that this is just more of a, he is not a part of the rotation right now for Gonzaga. Uh, This could be an opportunity for him to get four or five, maybe six or seven minutes of playing time uh, if the Zags are out to an early lead and just don't ever relinquish it, get up 20 at half, get up 30 by the 10 minute mark in the second half. We've seen Gonzaga do this to hundreds of teams over the last 20 years. So if they can do that here against the Huskies, you can potentially see Dom playing seven, eight minutes down the stretch, get a better glimpse of, of, of kind of where he's at right now. Of course, Caden Perry and Braden Huff are two players who we have not seen so far yet this year. Uh, I suspect they won't play in this game, and I suspect that will kind of finally be the the they, they won't make an announcement about this because they don't have to. But that will really cement the idea that these two guys are redshirting this year. Caden's it might be a medical redshirt. It could just be a performance redshirt. For either of them, for Huff, obviously he's a true freshman, doesn't have that benefit of the extra COVID year because he's a freshman this year. So it makes sense for the Zags to just pop pop him on a red shirt and let him develop behind the scenes and be potentially more of a contributor next year. When we assume Drew Timmy will be out the door, when maybe Anton Watson will be out the door, when there'll be more opportunities for playing time next season. And then of course there's the walk-ons Colby Brooks. We've seen him once this year. Will we see more from him? Will we ever see Abe Eagle who has yet to play in a game despite being in his third year at Gonzaga. And then of course, Joe few, will he get his opportunity? The crowd was chanting for him against UW on Friday. Will they chant for him again on Monday? And if so, will Mark get his kid in the game? All right. That is going to do it for me today. Plenty of reaction to this game coming on Tuesday's show. Also, if you haven't done so yet, check out the new podcast locked on college basketball. It is a national show all about college hoops. Every team we're talking UConn, Purdue, Virginia, Houston, et cetera, et cetera. Between myself, co-host Isaac Shade, it is available wherever you get podcasts. It is also available on YouTube. So if you hit the subscribe button for Locked On Zags, go ahead and go find Locked On College Basketball and hit that subscribe button as well. It is very much appreciated. All right, thank you all for listening and go Zags.